person to say this, but good morning. It's good to be here with you. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Now, Matthew 28, for many of us, is a very familiar passage, isn't it? It's the the great commission that Jesus gives to his disciples. And so I would encourage you that as we come to this familiar passage, that we we would see it clearly. That we would not see it and just, oh, I, I know this already, but we would look clearly at what God has given to us, the commission that he has given to us, and that we would uh, live faithfully through it. And I, I pray that uh, through Matthew 28, 16 through 20, we would come away with this big idea. You are called to disciple others to faith in and obedience to Jesus Christ. You are called to disciple others to faith in and obedience to Jesus Christ. Let's read this. Now when the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. May we receive it as such. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we come this morning as your children, made alive by your work and held securely by your spirit. May we be faithful followers of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are completing my series called You Are. Now, it's my series because you weren't in youth group. Open invitation to anyone who wants to come on a Wednesday night. I'd love to have you um, just to sit there. Uh, You don't even have to do anything. You just be there. It'll be encouraging. It's free. Um, So we've been working through the series called You Are. It's a series on Christian basics, on on who you are through the gospel, or the, 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 the core truths about someone who's a Christian. These aren't second-level things. These aren't things that you attain to. When you become a Christian, these things are true about you. And so this morning we're going to talk about how you are disciple-makers. It occurred to me sometime this week that uh, in this series of discipleship that we've been going through this summer, that we haven't yet defined what a disciple I thought I'd do that. You guys laugh a lot more than the first service. I appreciate that, and the second service for that matter. Thank you. Um, A disciple, in its most simple sense, is a follower. Someone who follows. Not in in fandom, like uh, some of us follow baseball or follow uh, the Olympics, but follow in a a sense that we desire to learn from them, desire to become more like them, to, to hear from them and live like them. The role of a a disciple was not uncommon in the first century. Teachers and tradesmen would have had people that followed them. People, they they would live with them, they would learn from them, and they would become like them. If you were to apply for a job as a a teacher in Jerusalem in the first century, they would ask, who was your teacher? And if your teacher was well-known and respected, you would likely get that job. At times, I've enjoyed watching kung fu movies. um, And these kung fu masters have disciples that follow after them, and they, they practice kung fu uh, like their masters and uh, the disciples will then battle other disciples of other ones and then the masters will fight each other it's you don't watch it for the plot it's entertaining because uh, the 
because they're impressive. A good disciple starts to look more and more like their teacher. Perhaps at the beginning they don't look anything like it, they don't act anything like it, they don't understand very much, but little by little as they they learn from their teacher, they begin to reflect that person and are identified as their disciple. So as we come to this passage, we see that there are 11 disciples that went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. We know that there's at least 11. There's likely more of them. Um, So who were Jesus' disciples? Were were they the elites? Were they the best of the best? Were they the the pastors and teachers? Were they the smartest, the most faithful? Were they the ones you'd pick if you're like, man, I'm going to start a global revolution. These are the 12 guys you started with, 11 that I'd pick. By all accounts, they were not incredibly impressive. They were fishermen, tax collectors. They were not incredibly educated. But what made them disciples was not their own accomplishments, but it was what they did when they were approached by Jesus. When Jesus said, follow me, they did. And so they walked with Jesus for three years, learning from him through his teaching, through just conversations, just through watching him work. And they began to look like him and act like him and be identified with him and, and as his disciples. And so they went out into the world. They were his disciples. Now, like the 11 gathered on that mountain, there is nothing particularly interesting or impressive about any of us either, is there? Sure, many of us have incredible gifts, talents. We come from perhaps impressive families or successful in many ways, but that is not what makes you a disciple of Jesus. You are a disciple of Jesus when, if when Jesus said, follow me, you followed him. By the grace of God, if you are a Christian here this morning, you have turned from your sin and from self and embraced Christ by faith by the grace of God. And that is what makes you a disciple. A Christian is not someone who is merely born into the church, has Christian parents, and votes the right way. That is not what a Christian is, but a Christian is someone who has submitted their life to Christ daily. And if you are a Christian, you are a disciple. The disciple isn't like level two of the Christian life. Like, I came in, I was a convert, and now I'm just waiting, I'm I'm working my way up to be a disciple. No, a disciple is the very core of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You are disciples if you are here this morning and are a Christian. And so as we read this passage from Matthew 28, we should not separate ourselves from this command given. It is a command given to Jesus' disciples. To followers of Jesus, it is a command to each of us to respond to, to live out, and obey. Verse 17, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. You see, this command is not a command that we can ignore. It says that some worshipped and some doubted. If you're a devout follower of God in the first century, you knew that the one thing that you could not do was worship another God. Like, you had seen that, you'd, you'd read the, through the judges, you'd read through the history of Israel, you'd seen how each time Israel would turn away from God and worship another God, God would bring judgment in. And they would be subjugated, and the temp- that's the very reason the temple was destroyed, why they were pulled out of Israel in the first place. And so they had learned this. They knew that they could not worship anyone but God, and yet these men who are devout followers of God are worshiping Jesus. Why are they doing this? Because they fully believe Jesus was God. 
They would not do it unless they believed he was God. And, God, and Jesus wouldn't let them do it unless Jesus believed he was God. And so sometimes we, we hear this, that um, they didn't start worshiping, or they didn't think Jesus was God until a century or two later. That's not the case. Jesus was God, understood himself to be God, and his disciples understood Jesus to be God. And so this command we have is a command from God. But we also notice that it says, but some doubted. Most commentators would say that this doubting is a a temporary moment, a a hesitation to worship more than a, a continual doubt. It means that they still had questions that they needed answered, that there were things that they did not understand about him that they needed answered. But it is temporary. Jesus was willing to give them the time to be convinced. He was willing to give them the answers that would lead them to worship. And so I believe they walked away worshiping him that day. And isn't it a blessing to know that even when we doubt, we can come to our Heavenly Father, that he is good, he is gentle, he is kind, and he is willing to work through our doubts with us? I mean, how many of us have prayed that prayer from the Father in Mark 9, 24? I believe, but help my unbelief. We have doubts, and we can come to them to our Heavenly Father. And it is in those moments of doubt where we have to learn the difference between knowing and understanding with our hearts, and Jesus answers their doubts and I I do believe that they worshipped him. And I say this because this command that we are about to receive comes from somebody who is kind and gentle, but he is also God. And he does so to remind us in the next verse. Jesus came to them and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. As, As he speaks, as he begins his commandment, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth is mine. Certainly the eleven should have known this, right? They were with him on on the boat as Jesus demonstrated his authority over nature when he said, be still, and the waves and the wind were still. They'd seen him demonstrate his authority over sickness and death as he healed people and brought people back from the dead. They'd seen his authority over supernatural forces as he saved people from demonic possession. We saw his authority as he forgave people of their sins. Who can do such things but God. And so at this point, Jesus reminds his disciples of that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, and so he rules over everything. He rules over all kings and nations. He rules over people's hearts. He rules over all creation, and as king, he is able to tell his disciples, he is able to tell us the way we should live, the way we should love each other, the way we should obey him. We should also not miss out that Jesus is also sovereign over salvation too. We see that in the Great Commission that we could go forward with confidence that it is going to change people's hearts because all authority has been given to him. We don't go with a message that is impotent but one that is very powerful and will penetrate and change hearts and we know it can because Jesus has authority over all things in heaven and on earth. And so this Great Commission, this great call, command, begins with this, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. As a disciple of Jesus, as one who is saved by the good news of Jesus, we are called to go therefore with a message. The word gospel itself means uh, it's a message of good news. We go with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of how the king of creation has come to earth and saved us from our sins. And so this go therefore, for some of you, is going to mean 
that you are to go to Mozambique or Indonesia. And so you're literally called to go to the ends of the earth to share this good news with other people so that they can hear about Jesus, so that they can turn from their sin and self and embrace Christ by faith and be a disciple and a follower of Jesus as well. For some of you, this call to go, therefore, means that you will go home and you will go to your neighbors, go to your co-workers, and you will share the gospel with them and so that they can have a relationship with Jesus Christ so they can be a disciple of Jesus as well. And for some of you, this call to go, therefore, means that you will go home and you will preach the gospel to your kids, to your spouse, and to yourself. And make new disciples there. For disciples, we are called to not be hoarders of his grace, to be hoarders of the good news, but we would understand it as the best news that any person could hear in this world. This is the message of death to life, And so we would desire that they would turn and become a disciple. This is what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are praying that things on earth would be as they are in heaven, where all things would be under the direct authority of the king. We pray that everyone would be changed by the power of the gospel. This is part of what it means to be salt and light in this world, that we would be taking the light of the gospel to all people. In all places. We are called, therefore, to go and make disciples. We are not called to a spiritual vacation. There is a, a mission, there is work that is to be done, and the mission is, mission is one of a messenger. We are called to bring the gospel to the world. But how do we do this? How do we make disciples? We, we carry the message, but is, is that it? Is it maybe the right combination of words and my actions and having the right relationship with that person? And if I do all things right, then all, all of a sudden, poof, you get a, a, a disciple? I would say no, it, it's not the right combination of anything that you do. It's not to say that we don't try to speak the biblical truths clearly. It's not that we don't seek to live as faithfully as possible. It's not to say that we, we don't seek to build relationships. But ultimately, we are messengers of a message that is powerful on its own. It will do the work for us. And so we could go to someone, and, if we're, and we could use the entirely wrong words. We could speak in a wrong language. We could mess it all up. And God's message is so powerful, and his Holy Spirit is so powerful that it can change the heart regardless of the words that we use. Praise God, because we often don't use the right words. We could actually go there and we could be doing it out of selfish motivation and God could still use the message. We could go to someone we've never met before and share the gospel with them, and you know what? It could change their hearts. Because it's not about us, but it is about the message that we carry and the Holy Spirit that carries it. And so our call is to be messengers of the good news that changed our own hearts and we are called to share it with others. We do work, but we don't do work alone. We are like shovels. A shovel is really helpful when you're digging a hole, but only if someone is holding the shovel and doing the work for you. Our Father in heaven our Holy, and the Holy Spirit works in our message. And so there are two primary ways I think that this call to make disciples works itself out. The first is... Um, in baptizing, and the second is in teaching, and I'll explain this uh, more so after I read. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Earlier in this series of You Are, we were talking about uh, following conversion, um, that you are identified. And the main point of that lesson was this. You are um, identified with and celebrating the gospel in baptism in the Lord's Supper. And so what we talked about is that baptism was the, the initial and essential step for a believer. It is what identifies you as a follower of Jesus Christ. Like, you got saved, then you got wet. And so think about uh, the um, Ethiopian eunuch as he's going down the road and comes across Philip. Philip explains to him the gospel about who Jesus was. In that moment, that man turned from sin and self and embraced Christ by faith. And what did they do immediately? They got wet. This is the, the process for a new believer. They would get baptized. And so this call to baptism is a call to conversion. It's a call to go, therefore, and make new disciples. It's a call to evangelism. It's a call to missions. We are called to go, therefore, and make new disciples. To be a disciple, you must be converted or born again. There are no disciples of Jesus who are not converted. And so it is the responsibility of each of us as his disciples to go, therefore, and bring new people into relationship with Jesus Christ. Each of you as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, are called to go, therefore, and make new disciples. To share the gospel with unbelievers so that they might know Christ and love him and follow him like you do. The second way this Great Commission plays itself out in the life of a believer is that we are to teach. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. We're to teach people to obey Christ, or how to obey Christ, or what it means to obey Christ. And I think this is very similar to the call that I had last week when I said you are responsible for one another. See, this call is a call to people who are already saved. You would not come to a non-believer and say, this is how you obey Christ, by uh, not lying, by not stealing, by not cheating. Nowhere in Scripture does it call non-believers to be godly, to be faithful. And as a matter of fact, it says they can't. They don't know how to obey Christ. And so this call is a call to believers to follow Christ, to preach and teach them how to follow Christ. Throughout Scripture, we'll see that every time there is a do this or don't do this, it usually comes after the, the author has already identified who the reader is. Look at, at uh, Colossians chapter 3 if you want to. Um. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Listen to this, Colossians chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, since then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds that are things are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore. What we are to put to death is something that flows out of what is already true about us, is that we've been raised with Christ. And so we put to death those things. And so this call in uh, Matthew 28 to teach them to observe all that I have commanded is a teaching for believers. What I'm really trying to say is that the Great Commission is not only to share the gospel, to preach the gospel to non-believers, but it is a call to preach the gospel to every one of us. We need to hear the gospel every day to build one another up to, this is how you follow Jesus. This is what it means to live as a Christian. The Great Commission doesn't stop once that person comes to Christ initially. 
What the Great Commission is, is a call to bring people to faith in Christ and then to walk with them and to teach them how to be a follower of Jesus. Well, how do you know which one you're supposed to do? Well, who's standing in front of you? Is that person a non-believer? Do they not have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Then you come to them with the message of the gospel and you say, this is what changed my life. This has changed my heart from death to life, from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. I am free from sin. I have an eternal hope in Jesus Christ. I can endure sufferings patiently and faithfully. And this is the king on the throne, and you need to have a relationship with him. If that person is a believer, you go with them with that same message and say, he's the king on the throne. I know it's hard. We... I would love to encourage you to follow him more faithfully. I think both are included in this great commission. You don't get off the hook if the only people you're talking to are are believers. Because we're not here to just make converts. This is, go therefore and make new converts. I mean, how many times have we been to a vacation Bible school or a summer camp where the main goal was how many hands can I get raised or how many people can I get to come forward. And I think that's so sad because what we're doing is we're missing the point of the Great Commission. The point of the Great Commission is not to make converts, but it is to make disciples, people who follow Jesus, not just on one day, but every day of their life. And so we need to be walking with them and teaching them and showing them this is what it means to follow Jesus. This is what it means to follow Christ. I didn't come up with this phrase, but this is not the great suggestion. Like, Jesus is looking at his disciples and like, once you guys finish all the other things you're working on, like sweeping, mopping, then I want you to go do this. No, this is the core mission that we are to have on this earth. This is the thing that we are supposed to be doing. In all places and all times, we are supposed to be going there for and making disciples. And so if you're refusing to do this, whether it's because you have other priorities in your life, you're too busy, or whether you're like, man, I'm just not a people person. I don't like that whole person-to-person communication. I would rather do something else. And you neglect to follow this. As your brother in Christ, I, I am obligated to say, I think you may be in disobedience to God. He has called us, each of us, Ask his disciples to go, therefore, and make disciples. I'm not saying that we all have to become missionaries. I'm not saying that we all have to become teachers. But what I am saying is that we need to be actively going to people and making and building up disciples. We are disciples, and we are disciple makers. And more so than this, this commission is not a call to your single effort. That Jesus himself promises that he is with us to the end of the age. What's, what's read what he says. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The book of Matthew begins with the birth of Christ. And an angel comes to Joseph and says, you're going to have a son. And he is going to be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew ends with Jesus saying, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Do you see the connection? This commission is a co-mission, meaning that we are not doing it alone. It is that when we go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that has been commanded, we are going with God himself, the one who created heaven and earth, who created our human hearts, who came as a baby, who healed the sick and raised the dead, who forgave sins, died on a cross for our sins, was buried, and then on the third day he rose from the dead, where he now sits on the throne of heaven with all authority in heaven and on earth. That God, that man, is with you always to the end of the age. 
in a very real and powerful way, God dwells himself, dwells with his people. In the Old Testament, it was through the tabernacle, but now it is through us. We are the temple. We, his Holy Spirit dwells within us. We have a God with us. And that Holy Spirit becomes the very mark and seal of the converted life. Every day, every moment, even when we're nervous and uncomfortable, even when things are going poorly, when we're suffering, God is with us. We have Emmanuel. So we are called to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. I think it's very possible to hear this message and think, man, I don't meet those standards. I am uh, doing very poorly at this. I have missed opportunities. I've never done this, perhaps. I've never led anyone to Christ. I've never even tried to lead anyone to Christ. And maybe you're sitting there and you're feeling guilty, shamed, and hopeless. Because we've been reluctant or resistant to follow Christ in this way. I get that. I've been there. But the good news is this, that our God is loving and merciful. Merciful. He's not keeping track of our missed opportunities, the ways that we failed. He is a loving Father, and he's not here to get after it. He's not just watching, oh, missed a time there. Oop, Dan missed it there. Had an opportunity, and he, he didn't take it to share the gospel. But he is up there, and he is kind and loving, not keeping a record of wrongs. And we are here this morning because God has given us everything. There is nothing more he could have done to love us than in what he has already done. He loved us, he loves us, and he's giving us the chance every day to faithfully follow after him. Church, this morning, this week, this year, let us take the opportunity to, to faithfully follow Christ, to faithfully be a disciple of him, to faithfully disciple others to faith in and obedience to Christ. You see, we have the opportunity to join with the eternal God in the eternal mission of building the kingdom of heaven. This is what his call is for us. Even when we don't feel able, even when we don't feel comfortable, even when we don't know what the right words to say are, he has called us to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And we do it together. We talked about last week how we're responsible to encourage one another in the gospel. And this week we are together, not just with this group, but we are also with the God of creation, that he is with us. We are disciple makers. We are disciples, which means we are disciple makers. And so we are called to disciple others to faith in and obedience to Jesus Christ. I don't want you to walk away this morning thinking, man, he was really down on me. I, he really, man, I feel terrible about how much I failed. I just want to do and try harder. That's not what I'm calling you to. My call is, look at the gospel. See what Christ has done for you. See how much your life has changed. See how much he has loved you and cared for you and done everything necessary for you. You have life and life abundantly. And what he is calling you to is, don't be stingy. Find people, give them the gospel. Are they saved? Give them the gospel. Are they unsaved? Give them the gospel. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Let's pray.
Our God and Father, we are your disciples. This is who we are. There is, we have been taken from death to life, and you have made us in that. Your children, loved by you, bought with a price. May we go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. May we be encouraged to go in your love, in your grace, to other people so that they might, too, know you and be loved by you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.